Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 1118. Today, my spoiler-free review of Star Wars Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad. Punch it, Chewie. I'm Amy Rackwith with Lattes with Leia, and you're listening to Star Wars 7 by 7 the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Boyblad. And as I did yesterday in comparing the initial Battlefront novel with the Battlefront 2 novel, it's really difficult to look at Battlefront 2 and not draw comparisons. But I'm going to actually start by comparing it to another novel in the new Star Wars canon so far, and that is Aftermath Life Debt by Chuck Wendig, which was the middle novel in the Aftermath trilogy. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad book is the middle book of a trilogy of Battlefront novels or anything like that. They are entirely unrelated books. So why I'm actually looking at Life Debt as similar is that structurally there is a lot in common. There's a slam-bang opening and there's time taken at the beginning of the novel to do basically some team building and to show you the dynamics of the characters that are working with each other and to give you an idea of what they're capable of before they get kicked off onto the main mission of the novel. But without the interludes that Aftermath is so well known for. And that, as far as Inferno Squad goes, is entirely different from Battlefront Twilight Company, which was very serial in the way that it unspooled its story. Yes, there were some things that were carried throughout the narrative, but it was definitely more of you know, this incident, and then that incident, and then this incident, and then the other incident, and things as they went on, and hitting sort of way stations like the Battle of Hoth, for example. But instead of using events that we are all familiar with as a way station, Inferno Squad uses them as a jumping off point, specifically the ending of the original Star Wars and the events of Rogue One that helped make the ending of Star Wars possible. And of course, that would make a lot of sense considering what we already know about the novel or what we knew about it before it came out, which is that Inferno Squad is about an elite Imperial team that is being sent to seek out and destroy the remnants of Saw Gerrera's group of partisans, which have actually now rebranded themselves as the Dreamers, right? Which ties in nicely with Saw Gerrera's final words, SAVE THE DREAM! And the way that Inferno Squad has to go about this search and destroy mission for the Dreamers is unique to the new Star Wars canon. And I wish I could say for sure whether it was unique to Star Wars canon in general, but I don't have the depth of the expanded universe knowledge to say for sure. I will simply say, since we're non-spoiler in this, is that it was rather cool to see this approach being done, which ultimately made it a very intimate novel. And though I was definitely drawn to some of the characters in Battlefront Twilight Company, I have to say the way this novel was executed, the way the story was told, it brought me into more intimate contact with the members of Inferno Squad, and ultimately I felt a more powerful connection to them and to the story that way. Now, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination an Imperial sympathizer. I will leave that to Justin Bulger, who is the social media wizard for Star Wars and Lucasfilm, <laughs> and loves himself the Empire. But for me, I thought it was very well executed. And Christy Golden, who is the author of Inferno Squad, and also the author of Dark Disciple, the Asajj Ventress Quinlan Voss novel, She's definitely demonstrated a deft hand for characters who should be 
viewed as villains and therefore not as well liked and yet she still makes them likable believable and compelling characters to get involved with though if there is any quibble i have with the book it might be on the character front for inferno squad itself and it's a little hard to avoid frankly i mean in a sense you've got basically <laughs> i can't believe i'm saying this but star trek the next generation you've got Aiden as your Captain Picard, you've got Gideon as your Commander Riker, you've got uh, Dell as your Geordi LaForge, and you've got Sane, and that's S-E-Y-N, so my apologies on the pronunciation, as your Lieutenant Data, or Lieutenant Commander Data, I guess. He was probably promoted, if I remember right. I'm shoehorning Sane into the uh, into the metaphor, basically. She's more like Zaluna, the character that was the Celestine surveillance person that we saw in A New Dawn, the novel by John Jackson Miller, that kicked off the canon novels, the new canon novels. But the point being is that, yeah, okay, you kind of have to have mission specialties. And so there was really no help for having them fall into these particular little boxes, right? And I did like the dynamic between the characters, especially between Gideon and Aiden with the sort of, you know, Buffalo Bill, Annie Oakley, anything you can do, I can do better kind of situation, that natural competitiveness between the two. And the relationship between Aiden and her father, the Admiral Garrick Versio, is especially well-crafted, and it has a fantastic payoff, and that's all I'm going to say about that. And though I'm sure I haven't found every Easter egg that's lying in wait in the novel, I will say that I've found some, and I will be sharing those with you as we go on in the week, so we'll get into spoiler stuff in future episodes. But I will say that even though it's you know, written about <laughs> the side of the conflict that I am not rooting for, it was very well done, a very enjoyable read. I mean, the only novel so far in the new canon that you could compare it to in that sense as the Tarkin novel because of course it's written with a member of the Empire as its hero and I will say that it is done just as well it is obviously an entirely different novel from Tarkin but still it still makes the Empire and its willing subjects a very compelling read and that is going to do it for my review of Inferno Squad but it's not going to do it for the podcast I have a Rogue One trivia question for you after the break stay tuned Hey Rebel Rouser, The Last Jedi is coming out in theaters in December and so it's time for you to brush up on your knowledge of The Force Awakens. Luckily, I've got the thing for you. It's the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book. It's available on Amazon right now. Just go to sw7x7.com TFA to get right there. And inside you'll find more than 501 galaxy-spanning questions and answers about The Force Awakens. Again, it's the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book, SW7X7.com. 7.com slash TFA. Welcome back. So last time I asked you if Cassian Andor was on Wobani in the mission to rescue Jyn Erso from the Imperial Labor Camp, and the answer is no, he was not. Today's question for you, in what kind of ship did the Rebels bring Jyn Erso back to Rebel Headquarters? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you give your droids to Jabba the Hutt, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not just a gift, it's destiny unleashed.
This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.